Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another exciting episode of FNO InsureTech. And today we have an episode that goes in an entirely different direction. And you'll see what I mean in a minute. But first, let me introduce my co-host, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Lee Boyd. Hi, everybody. Happy uh, Podcast Friday. It's Podcast Friday. You're right. That's right. Every Friday. It's Podcast Friday. I almost forgot. It's Friday. You know, Rob... I, well, I just said your name, but I would like to take uh, a moment and actually introduce my co-host, Rob Beller. Oh, you're, Hi, Rob. You're too kind. You're too it kind. It just dawned on me that I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> well, it's about time. But you know, you know, why not? Because today's episode does go in a completely different direction. So let's just try something different. It does. I like that. And you know what? Lee and I were in Salt Lake City this week at the Elevate Conference, which was really cool. Yes? Yes, it was great. And we had some wonderful conversations. Wonderful. I mean, and lots going on there, which which we'll cover in a different episode. But today, let's talk about for a second about what we have. We have Mr. Ali Savavi. He is the global head of InsureTech at Plug and Play. You know what Plug and Play is? I do. I do. So Plug and Play uh, really looks at themselves as more of a uh, innovation platform, really an ecosystem of companies and customers that bring startups and already founded companies and really mixes them with with other companies who could use them or invest in them. Uh, it, it's it's a really interesting take on business as a whole. It, very. They're an accelerator. They're a matchmaker. They're a venture capital organization. But uh, I really see them kind of as a hub of bring, bringing lots of different people and functions and ideas together into one place and boosting boosting everything as a result. Right. You know, they really uh, say that they find, they invest in, they accelerate startup companies. Uh, And that's exactly what it sounds like they do. They build this entire ecosystem that uh, helps companies uh, gain traction in different verticals. And they're not just insured tech. They have uh, verticals in all sorts of different paths, such as retail or finance. But today, we're really going to focus on insure tech, I think. And the interesting thing here is, is that Ali is um, in charge of insure tech. He's a very young man. He didn't come out of an insurance background, but you'll see when you hear the interview that he's very, very smart and has um, embraced and understands the industry very well in just a relatively short period of time. In fact, InsureTech is their largest program today, um, even though it only started in 2016. So I think that really talks about um, kind of the essential reason why our podcast even exists, and that is InsureTech is exploding and um, and and plug and play and this particular program is kind of a validation of that. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he really hit it on the head, and we see that all the time. It is an exploding vertical uh, in in business, and it's really uh, has a lot of eyes on it. And uh, we'll get to hear from Ali about a lot of the companies that are really looking deeply into this. Right, and when you go on their website. And you look at their corporate corporate partners in the insurtech side, you'll be amazed. I, I encourage you to do that. So it is, it is a vast list. Is it a vast list? Very, very vast. Very vast. Very vast. So, without further ado, let's go to our interview with Mr. Ali Savavi from Plug and Play. Hey, podcast world! We have a super special guest with us today. Mr. Ali Savavi from Plug and Play. Hi, Ali. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on this podcast. Hey, welcome. It's it's uh, it's, it's an honor to have you. I mean, uh, you guys are involved in a big, enormous insurance experiment out there in Silicon Valley. Yeah, no, we got very lucky. Uh, but I think uh, we just came in the right time and we had the right partners and right friends. And uh, I think we're very blessed to be experiencing the wave firsthand. Give us um, 30 seconds or a minute on plug and play. Okay. So um, <laughs> plug and play's business model has 
Yeah, I kind of sometimes need a little bit more just because the model has changed a little bit and it's a little bit different than what a lot of people think we do, which, I mean, a lot of people have good reasons for why they think that way. The easiest way, which relatively is still not easy, is that Plug and Play at its core is an innovation platform, which is an ecosystem of uh, people that are excited about innovation and could play a part uh, in, in you know making it happen. Uh, we build industry-specific ecosystems, like we have an insurance industry practice, banking industry, retail industry, IoT mobility, and so on. We have 14 different industry practices. And then we do this across the globe. We do this in in Germany. We have four different locations. We have operations in China. We have eight locations in Japan, in Singapore, in Europe, and so on. And then... We try to provide different services to help people create value out of this ecosystem. So an insurance company would come to us to be able to, you know, get exposure to what are the latest technology trends that are happening or what are the latest uh, solutions that are out there to solve their problems. A startup might want to come in to be able to sell their solution to an insurance company, or it could be to be able to collaborate with another startup on product innovation, or a VC would might come to us to be able to find opportunities to invest in. So, uh, you know, the breadth uh, of what value could be created for the different members has significantly increased increase over time. But the current business model is an evolution of what we used to do. So we started as a working space, I would say, around 2006. Then slowly over time, we kind of transitioned into like an accelerator slash incubator. But now we do a lot of different services to provide this kind of value. So some people know us as an accelerator, even though that it's kind of a different model than most of the typical accelerators. Some people know us as a working space. Some people know us as a as a matchmaker. Uh, at the end of the day, I think uh, innovation platform is the best description of what we do. Uh, but at the same time, we try to invest a lot in a lot of the c- companies too. I think we are the most active insurtech investor. We've done roughly f- over 50 investments in the space. The definition of insurtech that we have is a little bit broader than most people because we look at the entire value chain from uh, back office operations, uh, process automation, and so on. And a lot of these solutions are just enterprise technology rather than just insurance. Right. Um, but I think that's the high-level overview. So it sounds like you're kind of a hub, right? That all these things, you, you connect all these different uh, uh, spheres, if you will. I guess the ecosystem, yeah. like you said, is probably the best word. Yeah, I think uh, it's basically the reason we use the terminology of a platform is because within a platform, you have an ecosystem, plus you have insights and data uh, feedback loops, and you have an infrastructure. And so it's it's basically the ecosystem plus uh, uh, different uh, things that you provide to help the ecosystem you know, create value. So that's why it's more than just an ecosystem, but it has an ecosystem or hub within it. But a hub is also like a good way to describe it. So what do you do at, um, at, at Plug and Play? What's your job? So I have two positions currently. I'm uh, running the insurance practice. I started it in 2016, and I am also a partner on the Ventures Group, which is the team that is responsible for a lot of the startup investments and activities. So let's talk about InsureTech and the InsureTech vertical. How did, uh, I mean, you're a very young man. How did you, how did you work your, how did you find your way into that? Are you, do you have, is insurance in your background? I absolutely do not. And I never thought I will have insurance in my future. I think um, my background is completely engineering. I I did a lot of machine learning, data science. Uh, My undergrad was electrical engineering. So I was very involved with circuits and all that kind of stuff, control engineering and then robotics and so on. And I joined Plug and Play as a technology analyst to be able to look into the investments that we have across industries and, you know, to be able to kind of validate what they do. And then somehow somewhere Saeed or CEO thought I could be an interesting individual to look into investing into insurance. And I remember pushing back and saying that I much rather invest in IoT because I at least understand what it is. And he was like, just do insurance for now till we find someone. And then when I started actually doing some market research and understanding the mechanisms of how insurance works, I think I slowly got interested and now I have the insurance bug. What got you that bug? What got you interested? What was it about it? 
I think I could look at it from the noble perspective of how insurance is just this, you know, transparent blanket that helps a board run and not that many people think about it. It's just that underappreciated but very important essence in economy, in, in people's livelihood and in financial well-being. And yet it's very unsexy because it's associated with loss. Right. And it's just, you know, it, it, it just makes it such a interesting industry because if I'm looking from a business perspective, uh, insurance is a very capital rich industry. I mean, both from assets under management to cash flow is just beautiful. Exactly. And when I compare that to the travel industry or the mobility industry, these are sexy industries. Right. Like if a talent walks into our door and says, Hey, I'm looking for a job. Uh, there's a very small chance they're going to ask for insurance. They're usually asking for mobility or IOT or something sexy, you know? And then if someone comes in and says, I'm looking for insurance, the first question I ask is like, why? Like, it's not normal. It's definitely not a normal <laughs> thing. Like, if you're asking for insurance, I've actually done research. I ask people that are in the insurance industry, how did you end up in it? There's usually three answers. It's one, they had yeah. a family member who was an insurance agent or, you know, it was a producer or worked in an insurance company. It's number two is because you graduated with a math degree and you one of your options was to become an actuary and it just made better than, you know, like a math teacher. And then the third thing was that you were, you know, in a in a remote town, I mean, it, like somewhere, and then, you know, you were switching jobs and you look at the jobs available for the package you were looking for and it just insurance popped up. But I don't know that many people that were, were out of these three and then just, you know, one day woke up and are like, you know what, w- what would be great is for me to find a job in insurance. You're absolutely right. In fact, uh, on this call, um, you know, two of those things are represented, right? Lee leads your, your family has an insurance background. His dad was an insurance agent for his whole career for state farm. And, um, uh, and I stumbled into it by accident. I was in a very sexy industry. I was in fashion for many years, which is right. Very sexy. And then, yeah, I mean, it's right <laughs> below that number two when it comes to sexiness. And, 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 and so I've, I've now worked in, in both ends of the continuum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like exactly how done it. Like when you think about unsexy industries from an outside perspective, not inside, I really don't know what to compare it to. Maybe mining. I, I don't know. Even I feel like mining has gold and diamonds in it. Like, you know, it's like you think of at least shiny stuff, but, you know, I don't know what to compare insurance to. That's like what's unsexy or maybe oil. Even oil, I think like people think, I don't know. I just, it's very hard for me to imagine what would be unsexier. But I think you're, you're in side is correct and that is is that it's super necessary right and and it just and like all insurance it's sitting there in the background as as a safety net um for if you should ever fall and need a net to fall into that's what it's there for right yeah and honestly i like that it's unsexy like i mean i don't want it to sound like i don't like it actually that's one of the biggest reasons i like insurance because you know, mobility, when we're talking about autonomous cars, I think every day you see 10 startups coming out that is working in some aspect of it. It's just because it's sexy. But in insurance, because it's unsexy, not many people understand the opportunity, which creates this massive green field of opportunity for the people who see that. And it's just it's just great. So I actually like insurance for being unsexy. I think when you look at how I was reading, like, you know, Han Greenberg's ARG story, and it was just amazing of you know, he took advantage of the opportunity that insurance has because it's unsexy. He right. took in the most unsexiest risk and built that massive behemoth, which was called AIG. And I, I just, I just love the fact about insurance. Yeah, on that one, I was kind of wondering. So, so you have a lot of people come to you and say, "I want to do a startup," and it's in the insurance world. Are, are, are a lot of those people who would, who come to you with these ideas, are they already in the insurance world or did they think of an idea that, that matches it? I think they didn't even think of an idea that matched it. It was just kind of someone pushed them into it. Hmm. So a lot of times when I see the people who come into insurance are startups that start an application and somehow, like, let me give you an example. There was a company that we just invested in called Usher. They're doing very well in insurance and the way that they ended up in insurance was that they had built this technology around process automation and, you know, a lot of the automation necessary for customer support. Um, so they basically one day, I think he was on a flight to somewhere and then the person next to him 
was someone who was working in uh, Unum, the group benefits provider. And he, she basically said, this sounds cool. Let me put you in touch with someone in our innovation team. Wow. And that was after three years of being around. And that person looked at it, liked it, they piloted and Unum is now their biggest customer. And because of Unum, they're now most of their focus is on insurance, nothing else. So I think a good majority of the startups, if you look at data, not data robot, actually, but UiPath, for example, a lot of the companies who are in this space and are providing value, they had a solution, they didn't understand the insurance application. Somehow, randomly, they realized there's an insurance application, and that just completely pivoted their space. And I would say at least a good 50 to 60% of the startups I see that are providing value would fall into that category. So so sometimes they there's a solution that's looking for a vertical you help them create that match. I mean, we try to help, but I think, you know, there could be many different ways for them to be able to like explore the product market fit into insurance. So InsureTech has become your largest uh, vertical, correct? That is correct. And, and, and I'm really interested why that is. I have my own theory, but I'm interested in, in what you've experienced about why you've had, you've experienced, cause it's, it's relatively new in, in, at plug and play, right? It's just a few years old. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think when it comes to success, success is a combination of many factors. I mean, I think luck personally is a very, very big factor in success. Uh, but on top of it, I think uh, the timing was right. I think plug and play had a very well resonated message because when you think about what an insurance company needs, it's not just underwriting or claims. It has to do with data. It has to do with security. It has to do with health industry and mobility industry. And because plug and play has had such a deep uh, you know, relationship with all these industries, it, it resonated very well with the insurance colleagues and companies. Uh, another thing was that when we launched it, it was just perfect timing. And then we did it with the right partners. Like Munichry was a partner of our IoT program before we even had insurance. State Farm uh, was also a partner. And then, you know, they were very uh, great advocates and partners to really help us get this off the ground. And um, I think, again, it was a common. And I think the team did well uh, in general. Like, I mean, we went at it hard. We invested a lot of time and effort into building it. And I think all of it just together was, was you know, what helped uh, do this. You know, Ali, you're, you're talking about partners. What, what does that mean? What do you mean by partners? I think the way that we look at the insurance uh, companies that we work with is that we don't look at them as clients. We look at them as partners because there's a mutual benefit. The way that we think about it is that we're basically helping insurance companies create value within our ecosystem. And the more they get value out of it, the more value is created for the other members of the ecosystem, like startups. You know, when you think about it, is that they want to buy, startups want to sell. So it's it's a mutual benefit. And then at the same time, we learn from them. Like, I mean, I didn't have any understanding of what insurance is. I just recently learned what underwriting means. Huh. And, you know, they, yeah. they basically help with it. Like, I don't need to be the best experts of what, how big is the truck insurance market or what does a, why is the combined ratio so high? All I have to do is to just send a note to our uh, friends at Progressive or, you know, Zurich or, you know, Chubb and say, hey, guys, like, we have this opportunity. What do you think? So it's a mutual collaboration or partnership more than being a client uh, service relationship. So what's a corporate partner? So what is a corporate partner? You guys you guys use that term, corporate partner. Yeah. So uh, the way that we work with most of the corporations is that, I mean, there are thousands of insurance companies out there. It's very hard sometimes to differentiate between the ones who are a little bit more serious and committed and the ones who are not. I mean, either committed to us or just committed in general. And that's why over time as plug and play, we learned how to work with corporations. We used to have a free model. Then we had like a small ticket model. But then we learned how to actually create structures around these partnerships so now we have an official contract with them that uh says exactly what is the mutual expectation what uh they should expect from plug and play and what we can expect from them so with all the partners that we have uh we do have uh you know a contractual relationship so so with those partners do do they always come in and and purchase the companies or invest in the companies Is, is that is that what they're doing no, I think the best way to think of partnerships would so the way that I explain this is that I think partnerships are a large part of how innovation should happen today and especially in the future. I'm a I'm a big advocate of the microservice economy, which is if someone else has built it, it's why would you want to build it as well? 
And when you think of a big solution, a lot of times it's basically a combination of different startups or solutions just put together. So if a company knows that this is the case and they would like to partner with other providers to do this, there's many different ways that they could do this. So the way that I look at it in the insurance space is that a, a, a corporate could come to work with a startup for various reasons. One, it could be they want to license a software, like a startup has a you know data analytics software that they just want to use. Two is that they might want to invest. Uh, investing in a startup could be on an ROI basis that they just want to get return on the capital. But in a lot of cases, it's more like a strategic benefit, right. either because they want to keep an eye on a startup for a later acquisition or they want to have a relationship or they want to understand how a space works with even outside of insurance. The third thing would be a distribution agreement. Like, for example, a lot of companies have a distribution agreement with insurance companies that insurance company wants to provide an additional service to their client. Uh, and the startup wants to be able to sit under distribution. So it's a mutual beneficial relationship. The third one could be a digital agency. A lot of companies like the Zebra or Cover, what they're doing is just uh, is a digital agency fund, either through an app or for a web browser, you know, web page uh, to be able to sell auto insurance or so on. It could be an acquisition, but that's usually a very small percentage right now. But I, we definitely think it's going to pick up soon. It could be product development. I think one thing that startups are doing is that they're very nimble in creating new products, being crypto insurance or being drone insurance or cyber insurance. So they could co-create new products. Uh, It could be hardware. Some insurance companies like to purchase IoT devices or so on. It could be fronting. I think a lot of the digital MGAs today need fronting and a lot of insurance companies want to, you know, either take part of the risk or just give the license and take 5% or 10%. Or it could be capacity, you know, like the whole MGA model. So it could be many different reasons why an insurance company might want to work with a startup. Right. You know, uh, um, like I said, we've been in the insurance industry for a long time. We work mostly on the claim side of of the business. And so my, my personal opinion about why you, you know, insure tech is so hot is because that the insurance industry overall general 30,000 feet has been very slow to adopt technology. Um, And there's a lot of reasons behind that, not the least of which is that they're risk averse and very conservative industry. But it's like in the last, I'm going to say three to five years, they've really, there's been this big wake up in the industry, right? around, oh, wow, we can innovate and use all these technologies just like all these other industries are doing around us. These other verticals are successfully doing. And so, you know, and and we've seen it in our own work, slowly but surely more and more and more and more innovation, more technology is coming into, you know, through the carriers to us. Um, uh, does that resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, the industry is kind of realizing it's not just about using technology, it's also that technology is fundamentally changing the dynamics of risk. And they kind of need to be aware of what's happening. So, you know, autonomous cars, if they happen, when they happen, it could fundamentally change auto insurance. I mean, cyber is being cyber risk is being created because of technology. I think technology at its core is one of the biggest drivers of changing risk. And as an insurance company, as the experts of understanding how to manage risk, you need to be able to sit there and watch and understand the nature of risk and changes in risk. And it just makes it very important for you to be involved with the technology ecosystem. Obviously, that could be for internal use. That could be for being able to ensure that risk. Or that could be just because that risk is going to change the market. And you need to just be able to understand how that market change is going to ha- what changes in market is going to happen. Wow. So, you know, I mean, we, we've talked about the corporate partners and uh, the, the change in the industry. And I'm curious about the companies coming in to, to this innovation platform for help or to get connected. What, is, what does that look like? You know, first off, you know, really what I'm curious in is what companies are coming in with what ideas. But first, talk to me. What does a company have to do to be involved, a startup have to do to be involved with with your group so 
plug and play, as I mentioned, we are an ecosystem. So that's why we do have a very large volume play. So we do work with over 10,000 startups across 14 industries and 30 locations. And that's why in a lot of cases, it's not hard to be just part of the ecosystem. But then there's different tiers of engagement. So just to be part of the ecosystem, just you could reach out and uh, someone from the plug and play side would get in touch, get to know you a little bit, make sure that you have something. Because if someone just has an idea of plug and play, it's not the right place. I would definitely suggest going to an incubator first, someone to help you build the product. And then maybe once you're ready to actually engage with other members to come to plug and play. Uh, then out of those ecosystem startups, we do run these different programs in different locations, which we like, for example, the insurance program in Silicon Valley, we take maybe 200 of these companies every six months, every time it's a new trend based on the partner's feedback. And then we send that list to our partners, the corporate partners vote on the companies that they think are relevant. These are across every stage. There are companies for billion dollar valuations or companies who are, you know, $5 million valuation. And they work for the ones that they think could be most have the most applicability. Then the startups come in, maybe the top 50, they present, and the top 30 get uh, involved in a, one of the programs that we have. And then within the program, we try to just accelerate the business development. Uh, so it's not the only thing we do, but it's like one of the things that we do. Uh, but then at the same time, we have a different tier, which is if we decide to invest. Uh, for investment, we look at the feedback we receive from the partners. We do our own due diligence and then... For example, that's another tier of credibility that we basically help a little bit more. So depending on the tier, it's it's I would say it's a little bit all over the place. You guys sound tremendously flexible, right? I mean, like um, my son is currently in a batch at Y Combinator. And, um, you know, you have to move to S- Silicon Valley or or the neighborhood and and be nearby. And, and it's a very seems like it's a very structured program, but it seems like your, your guys's play is much more flexible. It can be, it can be that intense or it can be less intense is, is, am I hearing that right? Yeah. It's very hard for us to compare ourselves to YC because YC is like probably the best incubation program that is out there. Uh, we are very, very flexible in the sense of like, for example, if you get into the program, the only requirement that we have is to show up for selection day and expo just because you have to be there for that. But everything else is like we provide, you decide how much you want to get out of it. And again, yeah, and you could also decide that, hey, I want to be a part of the ecosystem, but I don't want to be in the program, which that's absolutely okay as well. So we do think we are very flexible in that sense. We work with several of the companies that you guys have that, that are a part of plug and play. And, and I don't know which, you know, which track they've been on with you guys or if you've invested them in them or not. But, um, that's what, that's what drew our interest in talking to you was that, I mean, the breadth, the, the, just the vast number of companies that you've had through the InsureTech vertical, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, it's like a, a who's who of InsureTechs. Let's take a second. Can you give us like a case study, um, uh, on somebody, choose somebody off the top of your head, one, one, of, one of your companies that's kind of gone through and maybe done a good job at taking advantage of, of what Plug and Play has to offer? Yeah. Um, I think I was looking at one of the companies that we had just across Plug and Play because, again, like the program is only 10% or 5% of what we do per vertical. I mean, someone could be in our ecosystem and not be officially presented in our batch poster. Uh, just because, you know, that one is 30 companies every six months. That one is like 10,000 companies and actively we're sourcing in it and increasing the number. But I think one of the companies that just comes top of my head is two years ago, there was this, there is still this AI company, Data Analytics, that I think the CEO was telling us that through plug and play, they had 250 uh, one-on-one meetings like closed doors, half an hour initial meetings with prospect clients. And obviously that could make a lot of difference in terms of how fast you could grow your revenue numbers. Because I think each one of those meetings, if you wanted to set it up by yourself or even get an introduction to them, would probably take in that company nine months if they ever would have got it. And in one year, I think they got 251 of those meetings. And I think the number of people and business cards that they got out of plug and play 
that not one-on-one meetings, but just free events and exposure was close to 700. That was a very unique case, but it could happen for people that you know, uh, have a cross industry application. I mean, so really the exposure that they get is, is a crazy amount. Um, you know, I was on your website earlier and I was researching kind of who all your customers are and things. And it is a, it is a who's who's list of, of companies that these, these, uh, startups can come into this ecosystem and get to know. Uh, so that, that's really great. You know, Ollie, I, I had a question for you. You you talked about how, how you do the insurance vertical, but yet you also work in the VC side. Is that right? That is correct. So, you know, whenever you're looking at a company to actually invest in, and let, let's talk about insure tech at this point. Whenever you're looking at a company, uh, what are you looking for? What makes you want to invest in a company? What, what aspects of that company? Yeah. So I think one thing to emphasize on is that it's very hard for us to compare ourselves to like, you know, tier one VCs like Sequoia or Andreessen Horowitz and so on. These are people that, you know, invest bigger check sizes, you know, have a very crazy experience in investing in those stages. And they, you know, take 20, 30 percent of a company and really are involved. So we are more like the early stage investors, which we put in, you know, a few hundred K check sizes, small percentage. But we do this across a volume of companies like last year. I think across Plug and Play, we did 250 investments globally, which puts us as the most active investor, just period. And because of that, our model is a little bit probably different depending on the stage and so on. So I think for the stage that we invest, a large part of what we care about is the team. I think a good team is the biggest thing just because a good team always finds the product market fit. If they if they're working on X today and they think X is not working, they try to they pivot into Y. And if you look at look at the biggest success stories that exist, a lot of them were the result of a pivot. It wasn't like the founder had the initial idea they want. Right. I think the second thing is that we also do have our thesis around what the future of insurance could look like and what are some of the areas that we're very excited about. So we try to keep an eye on what are the races that we want to bet on, not the horses, you know? So if we think, for example, cyber is a good space to invest in today, we try to make some investments in that space rather than just, you know, put all of our bets on one company. I think another thing that is also very key about our model and one of the things I like about the plug and play model is that we do tend to rely a significant amount on the information that we have and the insights that we have by working with all these big insurance companies. So if we put a company in front of 10 different insurance companies and five of them say that, hey, I want to work with you, I'm, I'm going to become your customer, we know that this company's revenue is going to go up and their, you know, their valuation is going to significantly increase. So we are there to witness you know, the growth and know who to bet on. And at the same time, because we have the opportunity to help them a lot, we typically get favorable investment terms, and we also could really protect our portfolio. So I think for those reasons, you know, we're sitting in a good position. I'm so impressed with the position that you guys have assumed here. I mean, um, in talking to Katie yesterday in your in your marketing, we, we use the term matchmaker, but but it sounds like so much more than that, right? I mean, it's it's really robust and kind of reaches into all the different opportunities that, that could come about. Yeah, thanks, guys. We're trying here. <laughs> you know, what I'm curious in is who, who is who are who are you working with now who who you see is actually reshaping the industry? Is there any large company or somebody you're working with close who who you think is really promising uh, within your ecosystem? Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of companies. The thing about reshaping the industry is that what 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 do you consider reshaping? Because I think the whole term disruption and reshaping is very broad. Because, I mean, it might sound stupid, but I think insurance at its core is very hard to reshape because insurance at its core is a concept, which is let's just distribute the risk across many people. And this has been around for hundreds of years. And anything that is not that is kind of like incremental innovation. So, yeah, yeah. So that's why it's like if I could, I mean, I could talk about startups like Slice Labs. I'm very excited about what Tim and his team are doing. And we invested in them. They were part of our first batch. Uh, the reason I like it is because we believe in the thesis that it's insurance companies are not going to be tech companies. It's just like I think that's a fact. It's very hard to change. I mean, I don't know why they're trying to be tech companies. 
I think an insurance company could be more like a software provider, sorry, a balance sheet provider. They have the licenses, they have the expertise, and they have the distribution. So they potentially could just let someone else do the tech for them. So instead of trying to digitally transform you know, a massive company, you might move into what it's known as the insurance cloud services or insurance in a box, similar to what Slice Labs did with Excel Catlin or what Slice Labs did with, you know, legal and general out of UK focused on auto insurance. I think these trends are super interesting. Um, you know, like I really like what Abe Insurance is doing or New Front Insurance, uh, uh, basically working on digital brokerage, would you call that reshaping the industry? No, but could that really significantly help with improving the margins on what the insurance premiums are? Maybe. I think the biggest opportunity in insurance, the way that I look at it is that insurance kind of has three large areas that we need to focus on. I think one is insurance needs to be a lot cheaper because when you look at you know like combined ratio, a large part of it is just expense ratio. And I think that has a huge potential yes. for being decreased, which means insurance could be a lot more affordable. I think, you know, when you think of that, that's not reshaping. That's just being a lot more automated. And But it really makes a difference in terms of how covered people are. I think the second area that needs to be changed is the whole mindset of insurance uh, potentially needs to move away from just reimbursing people for the damage to a more protection-based model is that how do we make sure people are taken care of and if something happens we also pay for it but you know a lot of the big insurance companies are moving to that model again is that reshaping insurance or is that more like just polishing it a little bit more and adjusting it a little bit in terms of how we think and then at the same you know so when i look at these i think a lot of it is just improvement than it is like complete reshaping yeah you know you actually hit it on the head there because we do talk to a lot of clients who talk about uh you know reshaping the industry but is that even possible is it possible and and is that even what needs to be done to turn things all the way around right don't we just add to and better the situation and it sounds like that's what these companies are doing well like prevention is uh you know is a key we we uh we're, we have an episode coming up with the the people at Flow, um, which you may be familiar with. Yeah, and we invested in them a while ago. We're a big fan. And and their their product is very simply prevents is the attempt to prevent a claim from occurring. Yeah, that's why I said like one of the trends I'm excited about is insurance companies moving to a more service oriented uh, approach rather than just a reimbursement approach which means how could I be the security provider for my client and at the same time insure my own services? So if a damage happens, I pay for it. It's more like a warranty system to a certain extent. So is this, the smart home must be very interesting to you. It definitely is. Uh, the only concern I have with smart home is that uh, the margins right now are a little bit hard to do some of this kind of stuff, but it does have a huge opportunity soon. Because I think like the hardwares need to be improved a little bit. Some of them still are not as reliable as we kind of need them to be to justify the cost. But right. it's definitely something that has a huge potential to be a good example of how an insurance company provides security and then insures it. There's a company out of UK. I don't know if you guys know of them, but Aviva just took a majority stake in them. It's called Neos. How do you? What was that? N E O S. That's a company that kind of trying to do that. It's basically. Uh, they provide a lot of IoT security and safety equipment, and then they also insure your home. Wow. Let's talk about cars for a minute. We've been talking about property mostly. I mean, some of the trends are obvious, but but where do you see the plays inside of the auto world? Um, I think it was like anything else, you could look across the entire value chain. So from how the distribution works, you know, like uh, there's two different models that people are talking about today. One is engagement one is disengagement like what clear cover is trying to do is a disengagement model which is how do we embed in the customer journey and sit in the background i mean the the whole thesis is around do consumers really want to engage more with an insurance company or they're trying to just like make sure insurance is there when a claim happens so they just basically become like that silent provider in the background that you don't even know they exist but then at the same time you have some folks moving more and more into the engagement model is that how do we make sure we have an app on the consumer's phone that everything they do around their driving, both in terms of behavior change, also in terms of tracking different interesting metrics, 
or even you know where their daughter is, for example, could be <laughs> measured through the phone to engage more. So I think uh-huh. there's a lot of interesting things happening on the front end. But at the uh-huh. same time, I think the ecosystems are also kind of blending in between you know the OEM's financial services arms like Daimler Financial Services or Volkswagen with uh, large insurance companies. And there's a huge amount of you know uh, carriers and incumbents who are trying to find ways to collaborate more with the OEMs. And then at the same time, when you look at the different ways that data could work, there's a lot of interesting things happening. But then the most interesting things for me are happening around the potentials for claims, which is, would there be a future that if a car accident happens, we have enough sensors in the car to be able to assess what the damage is mm. without needing adjustment to happen? Mm. Which, for example, we have a company called MDGo out of Israel, very smart people who are working on an application which, based on a small OBD2 device, uh, they, they could measure the impact and based on the impact, estimate what the damage is to the driver. And... First, they could make sure like an ambulance is dispatched very fast, right. depending on the damage is. And two, maybe if the data is improved over time, you could automatically have a payout, like a parametric insurance product. So, you know, it's like damage happened, money's in your bank. That's it. It's as simple as that. So obviously the whole thing could be also changed if autonomous cars come in. So then it's a matter of is the liability on the driver, on the OEM, or is it on the, you know, it's it's just the whole dynamic of risk changes. So there's a lot of ways to look at it. You know, you were you you just said something that was interesting to me. First off, about uh, there, I guess my my question is two parts here. Uh, where what what do you see venture capitalists investing in? You talked about here that we have claims, we have uh, really getting into the the lives of the insured, allowing them to be more connected. Uh, are are venture capitalists like spreading their spreading their investments across claims underwriting? Uh, investing in people, uh, or are they really looking at claims right now or, or underwriting? What what are they most looking at investing in? That's a very good question. So here's what I think. I think insurance is fairly complicated, and I think a lot of the venture capitalists are still trying to build the thesis around it. And some do, and most of the theses that I've heard around insurance is very focused on like part of the value chain. Because insurance is so broad that you could have a thesis around what the future of claims looks like or what the future of underwriting looks like and so on. And I think a lot of the venture capitalists that I've talked to either are still trying to figure it out or, you know, it's even earlier stage than that. So I would say a large part of what is happening right now, it started as distribution, a lot of front-facing B2C, something that they're familiar with. But slowly is moving a little bit more towards, you know, some of the operations. But it's very hard for me right now to create a generalized, you know, this is exactly what they're looking for, just because it's still in the being shaped phase. Okay. Well, my my second question had to do with Israel. I have I have learned a lot about different companies, and I find that a lot of companies. Um, you know, originate out of Israel. Is, is is that kind of a hub for some of these startup or some of these ideas uh, for, for y'all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that Israel uh, as a country has done a very well job, well, good job in, and a lot of it has to do with the, you know, with the military and, you know, the intelligence service there is has to do with, uh, there's a lot of very highly trained uh, talent around uh, AI, data analytics, cyber, and, you know, anything that relates to that. And because of that, uh, there's a lot of people that kind of uh, take that knowledge that they have focused on data and analytics and kind of translate that into, uh, you know, insurance applications. Because when you think about insurance, obviously, it's very data heavy or it's supposed to be very data heavy. And that's why it's very applicable to transfer those skill sets into insurance. Wow. And they're heavily investing in improving their entrepreneurship ecosystem as oh, really? well. And, you know, yeah, I think I think when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's the network effect, you know, because, you know, the thing that Silicon Valley has, and it's very hard to sometimes build in other locations, but I know a lot of people are investing in it, is that, is that network effect. It's because when you get into an Uber right. or when you go 
to a bar or when you go to the city, there's people around you. Everyone's so ambitious and everyone's so focused on a successful exit. And the more you see this, the more you want to do more. Like a lot of the entrepreneurs, when you really look at their background, is that they were in a company that was in a fast growth pace and that company exits and that creates 10 more entrepreneurs. You know, like a lot of the people who join that company want to do the same thing and have a successful exit. And then that creates 10 more and hundreds more. And so that's why these network efforts and snowball effects, I think, are happening in Israel too. And that's resulting in a lot more people starting to do this. Sure. It's a very exciting environment, right? (laughs) And when you're in an exciting environment, it makes you excited. And a lot of people are excited. I think it's an interesting time to be alive for sure, because I think there's a lot of interesting things happening, and I think we are blessed to be sitting in a place to observe a lot of it and to play yes. a very small role in terms of helping people, you know, have the have the resources to do this. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a, I think it's a wonderful time to be in the business community. I want to ask you another question about the um, uh, about the carrier side. Um, I'm sure that's been a very interesting education for you working with carriers and um, many of the carriers like um, like QB, for example, they have venture arms. Are those like all the other VCs or do you find that working with those venture arms is different? It definitely is different just because most of the venture capitalists, like almost all of them, pure interest is around return on capital versus CVCs or corporate venture capitalists. Uh, 80 to 90%, the primary objective of investing is strategic reasons. So it's very different in the sense of why they do this. Ali, we can't thank you enough for uh, being with us today and giving us some time. I know how valuable your time is and all the demands on it. And so uh, we thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. I I really enjoyed our conversation today and have a wonderful weekend. You you do (laughs) do the same. Hey, Lee. Hey, Rob. That was intense. That was a lot of information. That guy is really smart. A really smart guy. Not to say that all of our all of our guests aren't smart. Right. But Ali is a very talented, very, very deep thinker. For such a young age, it sounds like he has picked up so much uh, knowledge about our industry. And... Um, yeah. I mean, he was really able to talk about a lot. As we talked with him, um, usually people, the deep thinkers in the insurance business tend to be people who've been in it for a long time. And, uh, and, and Ollie's already there. And obviously not just smart, but a great leader because he's built uh, their InsurTech program into their largest program. Yeah, in just a few short years, uh, it, it's been there. I like I like what he talked about uh, with really building that whole ecosystem. Uh, and it's not just a world, plug and play is not just a world where startups come and learn the basics. It is, it's so much more. It is a way to really create a whole uh, world that connects different customers and, and companies and really produces uh, a great product. And, you know, we talked about disruption and uh, as he sees disruption is not necessarily the way that a lot of the people in the industry talk about it, but really it's all about changing and, and bettering the actual industry. Plug and play is a really fascinating organization. They're not at all just a, just an accelerator and, or an incubator. What, what the idea that they've come up with to combine, um, you know, corporate partners, startups, uh, venture arms, all together into one ecosystem, as as Ali called it. What a brilliant idea! It's, it's kind of a simple idea, actually, but 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 what they've been able to produce out of that simple idea is vast and complex. Right. You know, and, and I liked, I liked thinking about, you know, that they also, they also invest in these companies. So they don't only produce this ecosystem, they actually go in and they, and they invest, uh, making them one of the, you know, larger investors in more products than any other. And, and I really hit on, 
you know, teams make the difference. When we ask Ali, what does he, you know, look for when investing? Teams. Not just the, not the product even, right? Right, right. It, it's, the, it's, the, it's the team, it's the humans behind it. And can they work together to actually produce and adjust to the, to the changing needs? Uh, that, that, that was a little bit eye-opening to me. Yeah, like he said, we bet on the race not the horse. Right. Yeah. It's all about how far, you know, will they go? And, and, you know, I, I think that's so important and it, it, it's also neat to think, you know, you can take it a little further whenever, uh, he's not looking at just where are they right now? Like we always talk about, but where are they going? And, uh, they have a great uh, platform to be able to present these companies to the customers and to see what the customers think and get mm-hmm. the real-time feedback on from a customer saying, yes, that's something I could use. I would like to invest in it. I would like to partner with it. And that really helps them uh, you know, decide who they need to invest in. Like we said in the intro, if you go on their website, which is plugandplaytechcenter.com, and you look around, um, if you're somebody in our industry or somebody that we know, uh, somebody that we work with, I think what you'll see is um, pretty amazing. The people, the companies that are involved in this program run the gamut of insurance companies. Um, and and if you're wondering how, how deep is this insure tech innovation wave, you know, going into our industry, take a look at this website and you'll see that this is where people are betting. This is where people are involved and putting resources and money. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot going on here. I, I'm with Rob. I encourage everybody who's listening to hop onto that website and it really makes your brain uh, enlarge because because there's so much going on. They have neat videos. They have uh, testimonials. But go look at the list of customers and just think of all the eyes who are actually looking into our industry and, and powering it. Right. So if you're wondering, is InsureTech for real? Is this really going to make a difference? Go, go look at this and, and, and then tell me if you still have that question. Yeah, I agree. I was, my eyes opened wide whenever I went Uh down that. Uh, I first got to know Plug and Play at the InsureTech conference and I thought, oh, they're, they're InsureTech. Okay. And then I started doing research and more and more and wow, deep, deep. And here's, and here's the other thing. I think he said that they have 14 different verticals that they, that they work in. Um, Why is InsureTech number one? That that's a great question, well, Rob. Part of it is Ollie, right? I mean, he's obviously super competent, but it's also there's a there's just a ton of action here. There's a ton of action in InsureTech, in innovation, in disruption and change. He talked about he talked about that things have to be cheaper. And that's going to take technology and automation to make it happen. Right. And that and that the focus needs to be more on protection and prevention. And, um, and, and these are companies that are creating tools and processes and products th- that, that can, that can enable those things to occur. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. You know, we, I went into a question about disruption and he, he said, you know, I don't, I don't look at it that way. Well, that that's what an innovator has to do. They have to say, I understand the way other people see it, but this is how I see it. And, you know, it is, it's about a protection. It's about, um, you know, bringing in a new way to be cheaper and, and all the things that we talked about. Well, we are super appreciative to Ali. I never would have thought that, <laughs> that, uh, he would be so generous as to, to give us an interview, but he did. And, um, uh, we, as always thank our listeners and, Anthony, do you want to uh, remind our podcast world about a little something? Absolutely. The uh, best way to support FNO InsureTech and help us, uh, you know, grow and improve is to actually give us a review and rating on whatever podcast playing platform you are using. And uh, yeah, share share this as well. Share the links with other people that may be interested in, in what we're talking about, these guests and, and the InsureTech uh, you know, field, but, uh, make sure to do that. We'd appreciate it very much. 
Thanks, Anthony. Okay, Podcast World, thank you very much. And we will see you on our next episode of FNO InsureTech.